Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery Podcast. Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Spafford, and tonight I'm joined... Well, today, you're hearing this today, but (laughs) tonight I'm joined by Darcy. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm a little bit nervous. I have not done a podcast episode for quite some time now. I know, right? It's uh, it's been a while. So... Uh, we're going to talk about what I, I, I want to call this the, the path to greater freedom. Uh, this is going to be a five part series. We're going to do five separate podcasts on, um, on very, I think these are very important topics, right? So for the month of February, and we're actually starting in January cause there's only four weeks in February. So the last week here of February and the next four weeks in, uh, or sorry, the last week here in January and the la- next four weeks here in February, we're going to talk about love, but not in the way that you think. <laughs> Darcy's like, wait, what? So this month, love is going to be about our capacity for great freedom, not just greater freedom, but great freedom, amazing freedom, if we are willing to love and be loved through a process of understanding some really important concepts that you may not be familiar with, Right. So we're going to talk about how to use these concepts to improve your ability to love and feel loved by others. And this will be a central focus of our conversations around these topics. The focus is how to be loved, how to feel love. And our goal is to help you choose yourself and be able to choose your partner and really just kind of dive in with them. Now, a lot of you listening to this podcast, you know, you're doing this in order to get some help to move past a pornography struggle. And each of these concepts is really fundamental to the, what I call the integrative process of becoming the person that you want to be. And that person usually doesn't turn to pornography. For those of you who are listening, who have a partner who struggle with pornography, these concepts that we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks apply to you just as much as they apply to your partner. These ideas will help you to be able to engage with your partner around this struggle and give you the ability to show up as the person you want to be in those moments and those conversations that you have with your partner. All right. So these are the five topics that we're going to talk about over the next five weeks. Uh, The first week, this week, we're going to talk about meeting frames, disorganization, and reorganizing with integrity. I know, like, all of that sounds super fun, doesn't it? You're like, what is this guy saying? I, I... just come along on the journey. You'll enjoy this, I promise. These are going to be things that, you know, if you'll write them down and you'll start to, like, work in this language, you're going to get a lot out of it. Uh, after that, so next week, we're going to talk about self-confronting and other confrontation, right? So being able to self-confront and being able to value and hear the, the you know, the, the words of our partner, the, the others that confront us in our lives about our struggles. 
And uh, then we're going to talk about self-validation and other validation. So again, we're going to talk about uh, this from where am I and where where do I live in this when I engage with my family on this. Being known and self-presentation. So being known is is really about, you know, how do I, how much do I show up? And then how, and self-presentation is really about how much do I create, a, not really a fiction, but just like present myself in ways that show me in my best light rather than being the, the real person that I am. And then the last week, we're going to talk about something called differentiation and enmeshment. Uh, these are kind of, some of these are pretty deep topics. So, you're, you know, as we go through them, you're, like I said, you're going to want to write them down. You're going to want to be um, listening and uh, working through these topics with your partner together. So grab your spouse. If you're a man, grab your wife. If you're a woman, grab your husband. Uh, grab your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Grab whoever it is that you believe is going to be the person that you know most often is going to be there in your life. And let's start doing this together. All right? So uh, as we talk about meaning frames, meaning frames are a really... This is a fundamental concept to our reality. You've probably never heard anybody say it this way, so I'm just going to say it this way, and I'm going to explain what it is. Meaning frames are the way that we look at the world in order to make sense of it. So in each relationship we have, we create meaning frames that help us determine the way we are going to act when we're alone, when we engage with others in our lives, and they help us assure the place that we have within a group. So... Our, many of our meaning frames are built into our theology, so as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, th- and they are perpetuated by our family of origin. So a lot of the meaning frames that I brought into my relationships with Darcy came from you know my parents and, and the family of origin that I came from, and same with her. Um, and for instance, in my house when I was growing up, my meaning frames have referenced the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and this, you know, this, the meaning frames that came from that have given me a way to interpret the realities of life in ways that really they serve me and my family, and they help me make sense of the life I lead. And for Darcy, when she was growing up, you know, her life was centered around a Catholic faith and. Um, and the meaning frames that came from being Catholic, right? And and all of the the structure that came from being, you know, traditionally Italian, even though, you know, who was it that <laughs> came over? Like the last person, well, Nona and Papi came over like 100 years ago, it seems like. So all of that came, you know, from her family of origin, and that gave different meaning frames to the things that she brought into our relationship, right? And we all have meaning frames that that we bring into our relationships that help us manage our lives, through specific lenses that provide meaning and value. That's that's really what you kind of have to take from meaning frames. And, you know, in most LDS homes, pornography viewing is seen through a very specific meaning frame of it always being destructive. It's both personally and professionally destructive, and theologically, it is way outside the bounds of anything we should be participating in. This basically makes pornography an always off-limits type of behavior. Those who engage in it, then find themselves really deeply ashamed of their actions. Whether you're a parent of a teenager who's struggling with pornography or the wife of someone who's struggling with pornography, you also feel a lot of shame around this issue. And, you know, it, with when our kids struggle with pornography, sometimes we feel like maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe if I didn't let him have a, an electronic at such a young age, this wouldn't be a struggle. Or, 
if it's your husband, you might have things like, I feel like I'm not good enough. You know, if he turns to pornography for um, self-soothing or entertainment or just to escape his emotions, then the meaning that I sometimes make that mean is that I'm not enough. Yeah, right. And this is a, I think it's really important to recognize that either way, you know, whether it's, you know, from the spouse or from the individual who's viewing pornography, the meaning frames that we bring into our relationships are the lens that we use to help us see the behaviors and realities of our lives. So each meaning frame that we have does at least one thing for us. It gives us a way to see what, what the world looks like on a given topic. And what this looks like can often be kind of a black and white way of viewing a particular behavior. And black and white ways of viewing particular behaviors can often isolate us or others because we're not conforming properly to the meaning frame, right? So if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to around pornography, I'm isolated from my partner. And now, I, because I'm not conforming to the way that she thinks I ought to behave. And when we encounter someone who's not properly conformed to the meaning frame that we have and that we assumed they should share with us, this is pretty disorganizing. It's disorganizing to the thoughts that we have. It's disorganizing to the meaning of the relationship. So it's pretty important to like, be aware that when we find these things, we're going to see something that's not what we expect. So Darcy, what went on for you when you found out that I was viewing pornography? For most of us, we went into marriage with the idea, whether it was you know, conveyed or if it was just like an unspoken rule that pornography wasn't going to be in our marriage. And so when we find out that it is in our marriage, it can be super disorganizing. Like it's for me, it, it brought up tons of questions for myself. It was, you know, am I, am I going to be good enough? What's going to happen for my family? Like, are we going to still make it to the celestial kingdom is, everything that we've done to this point, you know, ruined essentially because this had been a struggle our entire marriage, even though I didn't know about it, right? Some of us might begin to question, is our spouse not satisfied with us? Is he unhappy with us? Am I not enough for him? You know, what does this mean for our future? I remember thinking, oh oh my gosh, is he going to be able to bless my baby that was just born or is he going to be able to baptize our kids or is he going to be not worthy of those things another thing I struggled with was the idea of am I going to end up a single mom are we going to end up divorced like all the other people that I knew that struggled with pornography so there was a lot going on in my mind there was a lot to process there was a lot to try and make sense of my new reality Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize when our sense of a particular meaning frame is disorganized, right? So you had a meaning frame, I had a meaning frame that was, we don't look at porn in our lives. And then it becomes disorganized, right? So we just basically obliterate it. um, And that's what creates all these questions. All these questions are created, and we don't really have a lot of answers at that moment. And it's really anxiety-inducing. I, You know, all of those questions, they come from a place of anxiety. What does the future look like? And as a result, this can raise a lot of conflict in the home, you know, especially between partners, but even internally, right? So you had your own internal conflicts. I had my own internal conflicts. Our, you know, our anxiety was high. I was, you know, I was thrust into a position where I'm like, okay, I got to do all the other things right because I I don't think, I don't have the skills to do this one right. And you 
you were like, is this even going to work in the long run? Right. So lots of anxiety behind all of that. And as you struggle to, you know, recreate a new sense of how to organize around this issue, it's helpful to know that you don't have to have all the answers up front. And it's also helpful to know that, you know, Darcy and I, we have a, we are specialized in helping guide you through this process. We, you know, in our membership, there are four Wednesdays each month that we help people navigate these questions and we help them reorganize with integrity around what they want for themselves and their marriages. So reorganizing around, you know, new understanding and reorganizing with integrity is the process of creating a new way of looking at the problem in order to account for greater nuance, maybe greater understanding, and I think grace within your relationship and the reality of meaning frames is that we decide what they look like. We get to make them into what we want them to look like. And we, as individuals and as a couple, get to create the meaning frames that serve us and align with our values. When it comes to reorganizing how we think and interact with uh, the meaning frame around pornography, we often see spouses using the betrayal model um, way of making sense of of what's going on for them and how um, they can just kind of grasp what's happening. Oftentimes, the betrayal trauma model is putting ourselves in a place of perpetual state of victimhood, that we are constantly the victim of our spouse's actions. Right. And I want to be really clear here. This is not to say that the reality of finding out your partner has not lived up to your implicit or explicit meaning frame, so the, the implicit idea that we're not going to look at porn or even the explicit idea. Hey, you know, if you look at porn, that's not okay. Right. I know that I said, if you look at porn, then I would divorce you. Right. So this is not to say that that's not going to be a traumatic experience. That's not at all what we're saying. On the contrary, really, I think being aware that this is disorganizing, it's going to be traumatic and it's going to be emotional is important in the rebuilding part of the new meaning frame that you're going to need that will serve you and allow you to grow and learn and address your own, you know, sexuality and your own understanding of how this is, you know, impacting your partner in both directions, right? How is the pornography that I'm viewing impacting my wife and how is the uh, pornography that I'm viewing impacting me, right? And just being aware of that for, you know, is really important when it comes to understanding this process. So again, this is not to say that this isn't traumatic, but there, you know, there's a lot of information out there that, like Darcy said, kind of puts you in this near perpetual state of, you know, victimhood, which is in the long run, probably not going to serve you well. So Darcy, for you, when you found out I was looking at pornography, you know, what kind of trauma did that create for you? Oh man, it was, it was super, super, super duper disorienting like everything that I thought my life was or (laughs) was going to be or was uh, supposed to be yeah or was supposed to be came crashing down I very much was you know in that dream world of okay I'm gonna go to BYU Idaho and I'm gonna find a husband as a new convert yeah I was like baptized uh like two weeks before I went to school at BYU Idaho anyways um, but you know, I was like, I'm going to find a husband and we're going to get married and he's going to take care of me 
and I'm going to have lots of babies and I'm going to stay home with those babies and he's going to work and make lots of money and take care of me. And I will just be able to live out my life and my dream of being a mom. Yeah, baby. And that, that was like the most important thing in your whole life. And that's all you get to do now. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, Jennifer Finlayson Fife always talks about this as like, you know, the Prince Charming coming in on the white horse and sweeping us off our feet and us all living happily ever after. And so when I found out about Zach looking at porn, that was like all of those dreams, all of my everything was just flipped upside down. It became this place for me where I actually didn't know what was going to happen. I felt scared. I felt alone. I felt, you know, it was like my whole entire salvation was was being threatened by Zach's actions. And you had given up a lot to be with me and to be a member of the church. Very much so, yes. Her, uh, you know, her parents were very much against her joining the church, so there was a lot there. And we got married in the temple, and there was, like, nobody there except my best friend, Aubrey, and that was it. So it was it was a big sacrifice for me to join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and to get married in the temple and to live a life that was contrary to you know, the meaning frame that I grew up in, in my family. So, and by the way, her parents, they're awesome people and they, they love us immensely. And they, you know, they've, they've, they would give us the world. In fact, I am their second favorite son-in-law. So there's no question that <laughs> Darcy's laughing. She's like, that's true. That's true. Uh, it is true. <laughs> and if they're listening to this, they would also say that's true. But, but they're not listening to but this. They're not listening. <laughs> they, they all are like, this is the weirdest idea in the, in the world. Why would you do this for a living? Um, but like, I mean, they're wonderful people, and and we love them. So there's no question that we've all grown up past, you know, what happened, what you know, what what sacrifices were made twenty plus years ago. Um, Only eighteen and a half plus years ago. Oh yeah, right. It's not that long ago. Not that long ago. Not yet. I mean, did you feel like a victim? Oh yeah, very much so. I I felt like he was doing this to me that he was purposely trying to hurt me. He was me. purposely, yes, you. Yeah. Was purposely trying to ruin my life and it it was very threatening. It it was scary and all I can say is that it just really felt like my entire life got flipped upside down. Yeah. So you know, we, we, we worked on this for a long time and there came a point where you were able to, you know, you were able to acknowledge that trauma. Um, so what did you do to leave that place of victimhood and move into an empowered place that allowed you to maybe reorganize our relationship in a more meaningful way for you? After about five years of just feeling totally like a victim and really just placing all the blame on Zach And, you know, I really was like, this is your problem. You need to fix it. I got to the point, it was after our twins were born, that I just, like, needed his help. I needed him around. And I was determined to not let pornography have so much power over our lives and over our relationship and just over our family in general. And 
you know, I, at, at that point, I mean, he was probably looking at pornography, what, once every couple months? Yeah, I think at that often. point. It wasn't very often. Yet it still was having an all the power in our relationship and it was still yeah it determined what I did every week yeah and it and it determined my happiness right whether or not he was looking at pornography or he wasn't or oftentimes I would bring up you know past things like if we got in a fight I would bring up the past you know well you did this so and I and I was always trying to play catch up <laughs> right yes but I just thought of Heinz 57 ketchup, <laughs> which I know that that's not that's what, not what we're talking about. talking about. We're not talking about that kind of ketchup. Would anyway. you like some fries with that? Mm, maybe. <laughs> Only if they're good. Right? I was always trying to play ketchup, and I was always trying to, like, please you, and it was, an, it was never enough. Yeah, be, because there was nothing he could do to make me feel like I was enough. That It, it didn't matter what he did or what he said. I was holding on to that idea that if he struggled with pornography, that I wasn't enough. And so part of moving out of that was realizing that we're both human and that I also have weaknesses. I also have uh, faults. And and I didn't want Zach to define who I was by my greatest weakness. And I think... For so many years, that was how I defined Zach as someone who struggled with pornography, as someone who was, you know, betraying me. And and that kept me in that place where I just felt stuck. I felt powerless. I felt like there was no no hope for ever being happy again. So I think I think that's the moment maybe where you realize it right after we had our twins. Mm-hmm. Um, how long do you think it took you? after that moment to get to a place of empowerment to where you're like, no, this doesn't really own me. Like, I think, I think conceptually you got there and then there, I think oftentimes, especially as we are learning concepts like this, uh, and if, especially if you don't have a coach or somebody kind of guiding you through that process, you have to do a lot of mental work around that to get from a place to where you like understand the concept and can actually apply it and then can actually apply it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say, gosh, it was probably about three years of of a period where it was, you know, I, I would feel good and things would be going good. And, you know, Zach would have little episodes here and there. And sometimes I was able to handle those the way I wanted to show up. And then other times it was, you know, back to being the victim. Yeah, yeah. So when you think of the new meaning frame that you've, you know, that you currently have around pornography and the one that you kind of forged in that time. What does that look like for you? What, what, is, what does it look like to th- when you think about pornography now? So for me now, when I think about pornography, I really do think about it as just something he struggles with. I, I, I don't think of pornography as something that people you know, everybody that that struggles with it, that they're, you know, trying to be defiant, that they're trying to sin, right? That they're, they're actively looking for ways to separate themselves from our Heavenly Father. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to think about it, you know. Um, as, I, as I struggled with it in the past, it was this, 
it was this really heavy weight around us. It was this really just, it was the problem in our relationship. 99% of our life was great, and then there was this thing, and it took up 90% of our frustration and struggle and, you know, all of the... And our time and our energy. Yeah. And our mental... Yeah. Our mental um, space, I guess you would say. Now, if Zach were to come up and say, hey, you know, I looked at pornography, I would be more in a place of, wow, he must really be in a bad place, right? Because I know that that's not who he wants to be. I know that that's not living up to his values. I know that that's just not who he is, right? He He's a great, amazing guy. And if he was turning to pornography, it would mean that he's actually hurting inside, that he is not in a good place. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be true. For me... The, you know, the meaning frame that I bring to pornography is a different one um, than I would have ever thought was even possible, right? Which is this idea that I don't know of anyone. I work with hundreds of men. I don't know anybody who does this because they're like, you know what I want to do? I want to tick off my wife. I want to make her mad. I want to make her feel terrible. And I am going to do this on purpose every day for hours on end because it's going to be the way to destroy my wife's happiness. I don't, I don't think of that at all. Um, the way that I think about it is I have met hundreds, maybe thousands of men who, and women who are struggling with something that helps them feel good in a very acute moment, like just right now, that doesn't help them feel good in the long run. And that, for me, means... This is just, in a lot of ways, it's a lot like overeating. It's a lot like over shopping. It's a lot like, um, you know, playing excessive video games or, uh, you know, any of those things that we know aren't going to make us happy in the long run, but that help us just get past a moment of acute pain, of that deep emotional struggle. And that means to me that this isn't, this isn't a forever problem. It's a problem of figuring out the process. It's a problem of figuring out how to deal with my emotions up front so that I can actually live the happy life that I want. And that, to me, is a big difference. And I think everyone needs to look at this for themselves. Yeah, I know for me, I, I very much was like, yeah, this is not right, right? This is immoral. <laughs> this is unacceptable. And that would give me this, like, I was like the one-upper, right? I was like, I was better than him because the way I sin isn't as bad as the way he sins, right? There's not a scripture out there that, like, necessarily describes the way I sin, right? Yeah. And is that well, right? Yeah, I think that's, I think I, like, that's I fair. I don't know how to explain it, but... No, it's like, it's like this idea of, like, well, your sin is... <laughs> Your sin is porn, and we know that's bad. And everyone, like, you could describe this scenario to anyone, and they'd be like, yep, he's bad. Uh, whereas, well, my sin is I'm not, you know, living in a Christ-like way, or I'm not, or I'm, you know, eating excessively, or, you know, whatever it is. And people would be like, or oh, I'm honey, what's going on for you? Right, or I'm <laughs> super judgmental. Right, and there are scriptures that I think talk about those, but I think oftentimes we kind of let those go by the wayside because they're not as bad. Yeah, and part of getting out of, that stuck victimhood 
was getting like taking the morality out of it because knowing that it was bad and that it was wrong wasn't helping us move forward. It wasn't helping us get to the place we wanted to be in our relationship. It wasn't helping me get to a place where I felt empowered and where I felt confident in our ability to overcome this struggle. And I think for Zach, when I was in that one-up position and I, you know, essentially I felt like I had all the power over, over Zach, right? Because he felt like he was indebted to me always. Yeah. And so it, it kept him in a place where he also felt stuck. He felt judged. He felt um, just kind of crappy. Yeah, all <laughs> right. the time. Yeah. And I think that's important to recognize is that, you know, the meaning frames that we bring, they are either helping us grow or they're holding us back. I don't think there's a middle ground. So when, you know, when you think about, okay, well, what, what's, what's the story with pornography in my head, in my life? You know, how do you want to show up? Is that story actually helping you show up the way you want? Or is it holding you back from being the person that you want to be? So like for me, the idea that this is a struggle that I know you'll help me with is one of those things that I see as a new meaning frame. You know, to be real about this, um, I, I don't know that I've ever said this to you before. <laughs> so all of the listeners in Radioland are going to hear this right when you hear it, right? I'm but scared. I, I really struggled being honest with you around this issue because of the past ways that you would react to it, right? You know, I was really afraid of disappointing you. Uh, you know, how you would react would be sometimes really quite volatile. And, you know, how those things, how, how your reaction would hurt me and how my own disappointment in myself, uh, because I had disappointed you, would hurt me. And I didn't want to talk about porn because I was, you know, I was trying to protect myself. Um, doesn't make it right. That doesn't make my actions right. I'm just saying out loud that's, that's what was going on for me. And I think that that's what is going on for a lot of men. You know, which, you know, that might be an obvious statement. I was trying to, <laughs> it's an obvious statement that I was trying to protect myself because that's, that's, that's why we don't tell the truth is because we want to protect ourselves. Oftentimes when I talk to women, they're like, it's disgusting. I, I hate this. I hate that he looks at pornography. You know, they're, the meaning behind even just hearing the word pornography creates disgust in them. And part of me being able to move forward forward was being able to see pornography just like I see scrolling mindlessly on social media or, you know, going to the pantry at three o'clock uh, when I need a little Snack pick time. me up. Right. Right. <laughs> right? It, and I know that it's different morally, but when you look at it from just the behavioralistic perspective, pers yeah, yeah. Pers perspective, that is what's going on. And so being able to get out of it as like, oh, that's disgusting. It means all this thing. It, it was more like, oh, this is something that he struggles with just like I struggle with things. And when we got to a place where we can see that each of us had our, our own individual struggles, yet we were doing the same thing, it became a place where we could be more open and honest with each other and talk and, about and begin it to thrive right yeah, and I mean, talk about it in ways that promote growth and promote learning and just moving forward versus 
staying stuck in that victimhood, betrayed. Yeah, space. Totally. Uh, so here's what you're going to want to do. You've listened to all of this. What you're going to want to do is is go sit down with your partner and say, what is the meaning frame that we have around pornography? Or any you know thing in your marriage that you want to work on. What is it that we believe? Let's get explicit about it. What is it that we believe around this? Uh, and be aware that I think you know the first volley is almost certainly going to sound like, oh, that we should never look at porn and porn is never okay. Like that might be the exact first volley that you give because how many how many people have we talked to where they're like, yeah, we've talked about this and this is how we looked at it, and they come to find out, oh, one partner is still looking at porn or is looking at porn unbeknownst to the first partner, and they have to change their meaning frame around it. So just kind of take a step back from that first, like, this is never okay, and start to reorganize. Uh, and, and recognize that the disorganization that might come from learning that your partner is looking at porn is going to be painful. It will feel traumatic. However, that doesn't mean that we have to, you know, live there forever and wallow in it forever. We can acknowledge the pain of the trauma that's going to be there because it's going to be there. And we can then say, how can I move forward? How can I own my own position in this? And how can I uh, help my partner own their own position? And we're actually going to talk about that in self-confrontation and other confrontation, which is next week. But just being willing to start with what, what do we believe around this? What's our meaning around this? What is the disorganization that's that's happening because we might be blowing up our meaning around this or we might be dealing with the fact that neither of us is living up to the meaning that we have? And then how would we like to reorganize around this in a way that is most helpful, most likely to help us you know, live our values, right? Uh, because if one of your values is to love your partner, then screaming at them that they're a terrible husband because they look at porn probably isn't the best way to move forward. Um, so just kind of being aware of how do I want to reorganize around this and start building that reorganization. As we go through the rest of the this month, uh, the rest of February, I should say, you're going to start to be able to put more pieces into that reorganization. But just be aware that's what you're doing here. Go ahead. You have thoughts? <laughs> she has thoughts. She's just like, I've got this, she's got this look on her face. She's like, I want to say something. <laughs> well, I was just thinking that, like, for me to stay in the meaning of that victimhood, that betrayed model, it, it really did give me a lot of power in the sense of I I was, I was more. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could tell me what to do and I'd be like, okay, honey. yeah, even yeah. if I didn't want to do it. Yeah, he was very much at my beck and call. Because I wanted to help maintain the peace. Yeah, but moving out of that was when we actually were able to create real intimacy and create a marriage that was worth being in versus one that was just merely being endured. So maybe part of the question, you know, as you look at the meanings that you have around pornography is what power am I willing to give up in order to have intimacy? Because that was one of the things that we both, I mean, I, you know, I would, I would try to manage your anxiety by always being, you know, Mr. Nice Guy. And I had to give up that power of managing your anxiety to actually have intimacy with you. And you had to give up the power of, you know, being able to say whatever you wanted to say to me, um, you know, to tell me what to do. 
and to really be in control. Right. So really it's like what who who do I want to give the power to in this? Do I do I want to give the power to to pornography or maybe we could look at it differently. And if you're stuck and you're like I can't move out of that victim place. I can't move forward. I can't see things differently because I was there once. I remember I sat in a therapist chair and she was saying how could you view Zach's pornography differently? How could you react differently to it? And I was like, I could not think of anything besides like anger and rage. And then she stormed out. <laughs> and I walked <laughs> like <laughs> two miles home. This is not a lie. Right. And so I, I've been there. I've been in that place where I was stuck. So if you're stuck and you're like, I just can't move forward, schedule a consult and let's get you where you want to be. Awesome. Hey, you guys, we love you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you. Sign up for a consult at zackspafford.com slash work with me, and you can set up some time for you or your spouse to meet with me or with Darcy, and we can help you get started on your self-mastery journey. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.